Well, Logan, everyone, welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 128. I'm Art Regner. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. You know, hey, it's going to be fall really, really soon. The weather's beginning to change. But it's still always great after a long, hard days of work and just kind of cozying up with a cold, ice, frothy Labatt Blue. And we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in our guest for episode 128 of the Red and White Authority. No stranger to this program. It's the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Ben Simon. Ben, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know you've been basking the last couple of days in the glow of a championship. Uh, the uh, Red Wing prospect team uh, it defeated the Dallas Stars 6-5. to five. They were down 4-2 to two at about, I don't know, five, six minutes into the third period. But once again, this Red Wing club found some something dug deep, power play obviously helping them out. But uh, you've had a couple days, as I said, to reflect. Uh, second time in 20-some-odd years that the Red Wings have won this uh, prospect tournament, which are the host team. Uh, have you had time to really think about it? Are you surprised that they were able to do so well? No, I mean, we, we've been in the finals before. I think last year, two years ago, we were in the, the finals, and the Red Wings have been in the finals quite a bit and kind of never could really seal the deal. And these tournaments are funny. You, you think you know, you're trying to teach these kids a little bit and you're trying to acclimate them a little bit in, introduce systems that they're going to see in camp and some core philosophies that Blash wants them to, to learn a little bit so maybe they have a little bit of a leg up going into main camp. But... Uh, the games can get scrambly pretty quick, so and it happens both ways. So you know, we found ourselves down, I think, every game, and uh, you know, the kids. I think it speaks to the skill level of these kids and the resiliency, uh, and the, and their I think their mental fortitude to not get too rattled and to stay with it. And you know, they came back from a couple deficits throughout the tournament and had success. Right, they came back every game they were trailing, and yep. they came back to win. Uh, they played four of them. They were three zero and one. Lost uh, a heartbreaker. Uh, in overtime to Chicago in the first game that uh, that the Red Wing prospects played on a great shot by uh, Adam Boquist. I mean, that was, you know, I know Caden Fulcher probably felt bad about it, but it was just an excellent player making an excellent play. I, how much coaching do you really do? And maybe during the game as well. As you said, you've talked to Blash. You try to give him a basic Red Wing system to play, and then do you just let him play, or do you try to – try to coach him more is it just such a quick turnaround four games in five days you kind of pretty much let it kind of play out well again this maybe not be the the right answer but what I've tried to do the past couple of years uh, is introduce a few systems what we're looking for and we understand it's not going to be perfect it's one we've got one practice and we play four games in five nights so we introduce a lot early uh, but we knowing that it's going to be a little bit of a learning process our goal is to get better every game progressively and we show some video throughout the week after every game and this is what we were talking about you know a great example here or you know this is what we were talking about not doing and we, this is what we meant and so these kids kind of and visuals for a lot of these kids are a lot easier than just explaining it and trying to teach it on a dry erase board or in a meeting so when they actually see themselves going through it and uh, have time to reflect on it it's uh, I think a little bit easier tool but uh Again, throughout the tournament, we just wanted to get progressively better, and I think the kids, as the week goes on, get a little bit more settled in. They feel a little bit less nervous, and uh, you see the results. And that's all we ask is these kids getting a little bit better so that the last game that 
they're going into the main camp on a little bit of a positive note. I did not see your one practice session that you had, uh, but when you're in this environment, and I'll say it's a playoff environment, four games of five nights, it's a tournament, uh, do you spend time on special teams more than maybe trying to implement the system? Because nine of 19 on the power play with, I think it was like 47.34% you were completing on, by far number one, this team scored 24 goals to lead the tournament too, but still the power play I, you know, I'm not saying anything I, I don't think anyone doesn't already know, but you won because of the power play, I would, I would pretty much assume. Uh, do you sp did you spend time on that, or is that more a testament to the skill level of, that the Red Wings have? Uh, well, I think it's twofold. I think first and foremost, you need good players to make plays on the power play uh, to, to have success, and obviously those guys did throughout the entire tournament. But uh, at the beginning of the week, we introduced uh, – more core philosophies, a couple breakouts, and what we're looking for in the power play, and same thing with the penalty kill. We're a little different on the penalty kill because it's a little bit more structure. It's got to be a little bit more definitive uh, roles and responsibilities uh, as to what you'll see. But again, you know, we're not doing pre-scouting of other teams in this. It's more here's what we're looking for type of thing. And I thought, uh, you know, we talked about the power play, brought in Todd Krieger to work with the power play and the forwards this year, and I thought that uh, he did a great job of. Uh, conveying the message of the principles and the core values and the habits that we want to see from the power play. And I thought the penalty kill, Matt, that, uh, Matt McDonald did a great job of teaching and trying to implement the, the PK system, which, which is hard to do with a whole new group with one practice and then teaching on the game day mornings or right before the game, showing some examples of, you know, success or, you know, teaching points. But I thought, uh, I thought the kids were pretty good at uh, picking up on, on their teaching. I think that speaks to how, uh, great communication that Matt and uh, Todd had with these guys. I'm kind of curious. Obviously, it's a little bit different this time around. I think everybody who has covered the Red Wings for a number of years is familiar with Steve Eiserman as a player. Remember him for the four years he was here as, uh, as in the management team, but then he goes to Tampa. Now he's back. Uh, I, I know you already had, had said that you talked to Blash a little bit about what they wanted. Was there a different feel? Did you, you know, did was Steve hands off, or after a game would he come in and say, "Hey Ben, I like your, what you're doing. You're doing this, but you know, I, I kind of think that maybe you should put so and so." Or I mean, did he offer any kind of? Not to tell you how to coach because he would never do that, but you know, maybe advice or what he would like to see. No, I, I think there's general discussions amongst the group. But yeah, like you said, there's no direct order, so to speak. Uh, I think at the end of the day, what they want to see is these players play hockey. You know, they've got to make some de decisions. The players have to make some decisions, and the management wants to see how they, you know, how they perform under pressure, how they perform uh, in a game situation. They don't want to be too uh, authoritative, I guess. And you know, but but that being said, after the games, you know, we'd come down, we talk about who we thought played well, didn't play well, and maybe try this guy or that guy and you know if they wanted to see someone play with someone then all right we'll try that or but at the same time too they want us to and it's good for our staff because we're uh you know we're you know with adding Todd we're a different staff uh so it's good for us to kind of learn as our group you know gel a little bit and uh you know I I welcome Todd's feedback Matt's feedback so as a staff it's good for us to kind of get our feet under us as well. When you look at this uh, this tournament, I, I would say that probably the more one player that you would get more questions about would probably be, especially the tournament he had, would be Joe Valeno. However, as great as Joe was, and he was great, I don't know, seven, eight goals, six on the power play, 
Uh, and whenever you needed a player to step up, especially in that third period, Joe seemed to be that player, yet it does seem the talk of the prospect tournament from a Red Wing perspective was uh, Mo Sider, uh, the defenseman. I don't know if you kept uh, ice average ice time, but he played over 30 minutes a game, didn't he? It sure as heck seemed like he was in every situation and on the ice a lot. Yeah, well, it may have seemed that. I don't know. We don't... Uh we're not tracking the ice time in the tournament like this, but again, we wanted to see uh, how he could play. So, and anytime a player plays more, you're hoping that you're more involved, you're more confident. The more you play, the better you play. But uh, I thought that he did a really good job for coming in and playing that amount of minutes coming from the DL where he wasn't playing a ton. So uh, he didn't, he certainly didn't play that amount of uh, minutes over in Germany, but to come in and, perform and, and really play, a, like you said, a ton of minutes. He did a very good job. And one of those games he played a ton is because Regula was, was injured, so we were down to 5D. So And then you go and you play in the championship game. Now, you, now you're playing to win a little bit more, and you know he was playing great. So you're going you're gonna to play him more. You know, I know I talk to you quite often, obviously, after every game during the tournament, and I asked you a lot about, uh, about Mo Sider and how he played. And I don't think you wanted to get effusive because coaches usually don't. They, you know, you're the reality check for people like me. You know, hey, okay, he was good, but you know, take a step back. Yet, you did indicate, and certainly, you know, my famous saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that it looks like he could be fast tracked, and it looks like he might have an adjustment period. But he seems, and Steve Eiserman made this comment when they drafted him in Vancouver, he has a high hockey, hockey IQ. He's able to adapt to the situation. He's able to figure it out rather quickly, meaning that maybe his uh, acclimation period is going to be a little bit shorter. Is that because, and you played in the DEL mm -hmm. uh, for a year, because he played in that league, even as an 18-year-old playing against men, or do some players get it a lot quicker than others? Well, I think there's a little bit of a you know, to-each-their-own kind of philosophy, but you know, some players are going to take a little bit longer maybe for, for, for various reasons. But uh, I think the fact that, that Mo played in the DEL, which is playing with men, uh, that helped. I think uh, over in the DEL in Mannheim there, he, uh, there, there's a lot of imports. So there might have been upwards of 10 North American players uh, that spoke English. So his English is, is great. Uh, so he can communicate with his teammates well. And uh, the fact that he came over to Detroit for the summer is working out here, uh, the, the familiarity with the, with the group. So I think all those kind of factors uh, play into the level of comfort he has. And whenever you're comfortable, you're naturally going to have a little bit more confidence. And that confidence hopefully continues and, and permeates throughout his game. And I think that's what you saw. But again, going into the, the, the training camp and going into the regular season, there's going to be a lot of uh, – decisions to be made and you know there's going to be a lot of uh things that he's got to figure out and the quicker he figures it out it's going to be obviously better for everyone involved you know i i know you said you played for a year in the del and i'm sure the league is a little bit different uh just because all leagues are as as years go by uh uh, but I, what I'm kind of curious, when you think about European hockey, you think the Swedish Hockey League, uh, you think about the Czech League, and then the KHL, you don't really think Germany top of mind. Can you give us a taste of what kind of brand of hockey they play? Because people think, well, yeah, but he played in Germany, so they probably diss it a little bit more. And maybe that's not fair to the DEL. No, I don't think that's fair to the DEL. The DEL is a very good hockey yeah. league, and it's a little bit more – North American style, if you will. He, it, 
it's it's a little bit more physical than than a Swedish or a Finnish league. Uh, they're a little bit older for the most part, but I think uh, based on my experiences, it was it's not an easy league to play in. They're physical. Some of the games can get uh, get pretty tenacious. There's a lot more checking, I think, uh, in, in that league than other European leagues. Uh, but there's also the the philosophy of the skill set over there. You know, with uh, the skill work and going on the ice twice a day and some of those younger kids are going up and down between their junior team and their and the parent club and you know, so they're they're they've done a great job i think with that league of kind of blending with the european style the skill and also the north american kind of physicality when you look at uh, talking about the uh, about the about the del and and where where mo is coming from and then you you bring him in in this environment we hear about the large ice surface to the small ice surface. They all they say is like you know you this game, the game in North America is much quicker. You don't have as much time. Is it that big of a difference, or is it because they keep you know because it seems like they're you know they're going across the ocean. They're playing on big surface, then they come over here playing small surface. Is there that much of a variance to the game? I think there is. I mean, and again, I'm when I was a player, you, you do notice it when you go from the bigger sheet to the smaller sheet. You know, things do happen quicker because you have less time and space. Uh, you know, if I'm a normal or have a different job, my office, you notice if your office goes from 10 by 12 to <laughs> 8 by 6. So right, it's like right. it's a little bit tighter. It's a little. It's just a different uh, landscape. And you know, it's, I felt it was easier going from North America over to Europe because you had a little bit more time. You had to. You know, had a little bit more time to handle the puck and make plays, and the pressure wasn't right on you. So, uh, it is definitely, in, in my opinion, uh, harder to go from the Europe to come to the smaller surface. But uh, you know, they're, they're different. Each player has their own opinion. Maybe he likes the the smaller sheet better. You know, maybe because he, he's a big guy. Maybe as a defense, and you can close quicker mm -hmm. defensively because you don't have to that extra ice to, to cover defensively. Are you able to, do you think you might be at an advantage because you've played on both surfaces? I mean, you played on the large sheet professionally that you kind of know what they're going through as opposed to maybe a guy who, you know, coach who's been in North America his whole life, he might have not played on it. Maybe he's never even coached on the big ice surface. Yeah, well, it's, it's different. And, you know, for those people that are listening that don't know the, I guess, the idiosyncrasies of the bigger sheet to the smaller sheet, if... Uh, the the if you were to draw a rink inside the dots, you know you've got more space outside. So as a defenseman, right. you've got to uh, play off the dots more than the the walls or the hash marks because if you don't, you're given a little bit more too much perimeter time. And that you know, as a defenseman skating backwards, that you've got ten more feet where that player has the potential to skate around you. Right. So uh, you know it's just the, the angles are a little bit different with that regard from the defensive mind. And, uh, when you're looking at it from an offensive mindset, say you're a defense and you're breaking the puck out and you're wheeling around the net, you've got a little bit more space on the outside to maybe use right. your speed. And so there are little things like that where you have to kind of keep in mind that you know, it's a little bit different. When you look at uh, th this whole Red Wing prospect team that won, won the tournament, uh, I, I could go on about Mo, but were you surprised at how advanced his game was for him only being 18 years old? Yeah, he definitely had a mature uh, approach to the game. And I was, I was impressed with his approach to the game, both in, in the practices, pregame skates, and in, in, the, in the games themselves. Uh, yeah, he did, he, did a, he did himself a good service. He, he played very well the entire tournament. 
he told me that he's if it were up to him and it's still really kind of up to the Red Wings and he made that clear that he's going to play in North America this season. So that would either be for you in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. or I think it's a long shot. He is even as impressive as he was for the Red Wings, obviously, up in Detroit. Uh, will If he is a Grand Rapids Griffin, will will there be an edict from the Red Wings how you should use him? Or this is your team, and have you even thought about it yet, what, uh, what he would bring to the Griffins? Yeah, well, you always kind of think about the pieces that you might have, but you know, it's the, you know, you can't really put the carp ahead of the horse here. Right, so, right. Uh, again, if we have him, I'm sure there, there are going to be discussions as to what our expectations are with him. And the, the biggest thing, whether he's playing with someone, whether he's in these situations, they want their prospects to be playing uh, and, and developing. So that's going to be the biggest thing. For our, you know, our philosophy doesn't change. It's develop him on a daily basis. I know what you know. You know, even the AHL and you, you, you know, the Griffin signed players to, to their own contracts and you want to win. And Grand Rapids has been one of the premier fr- franchises in the AHL for a number of years. Uh, it's a great place to play. Van Andel Arena, the environment, the fan base. It's, it's just a wonderful atmosphere. Do you ever... Or do you just have to accept that, that, gosh, we're like last year, you lost 10 guys or something that came up to Detroit towards the end of the year. I remember coming down, I think it was a game against Iowa to watch. And I'm thinking, well, the boys are back in town, you know, the old, I'm dating myself, Thin Lizzy song, you know, I mean, here they are. But it seemed, unfortunately, that you kind of lost something, you know, you were really rolling then, you know, injuries happen yep. people and they want to get called up to Detroit. You know, that does it, is, is that a frustrating part of your job is that sometimes you don't know how long they're going to be here. Or are you always looking at the Red Wings and thinking, geez, I might lose so-and-so because, you know, so-and-so got hurt in Detroit. Well, it's tough. So you, you can't really think big picture because that is our job is to develop these guys and their dream is to play for the Detroit Red Wings are playing the National Hockey League. So uh, with that, you're going to have guys called up. You're going to have to really make sure you're developing so that when someone is called up, that the next person in line is ready to to jump in the lineup and contribute. But, uh, you know, th- there are times where it is frustrating. But, you know, where we, you know, we stumbled at the end of last year. But if you look at it up top, when they had all of our players in Detroit, they, they I think they finished maybe seven and three or whatever. They, they had some success at the end. So that, that meant that our guys went up there and they played, they well, played yeah. well. So they were ready, and that was our job. So that, that double-edged sword is, you know, kind of wasn't great for us down in Grand Rapids, but it was great to see them go up there and, and be ready to play and contribute up top. You know, Giovanni Smith, who had a great tournament, one of our bloggers on our uh, Taking Flight series, uh, uh, Powering Forward is Giovanni's blog. I remember him telling me last year, because he had a development pr- period, and he was mm-hmm. the first to admit it. He started off slowly, really finished strong for the Griffins, had a nice playoff run. He was suspended for God knows what reason for one playoff game. I, I still I, I don't want to get into that, but uh, you know, I, I kind of remember a couple of Griffins were, were suspended there, but then again, Again, I don't want to get into that. But what he was said was is that he was almost happy, although he wanted to get call, called up to Detroit when he wasn't, it gave him an opportunity to get more ice time in Grand Rapids and to play power play and penalty kill. So I would imagine that you've got to like that kind of mindset when you're losing players to the Red Wings. 
your, you know, other guys do have to step in, and they're almost relishing that opportunity. Yeah. Well, and that's a great attitude to have. So, uh, again, he's, like you said, he, he finished the year on a strong point. He came into this tournament, and uh, obviously we expected more being a second-year guy now, and he came in, performed very well, and hopefully takes that into, into training camp. But, yeah, anytime. Uh, you get a young kid that gets the opportunity to play more, you know, whether it's by default or whether it's by merit, uh, and, and they have success with it and they take the ball and run with it. That's that's tremendous and that's great on the player. So it was great to see Giovanni take the ball and run with it. And it was great to see his his development over the course of the year because, and like he said to you, he started off a little bit slow. You know, that was a big uh, adjustment for him to come into the pro game. But again, he dug his heels in and he worked and all of a sudden you started to see things change a little bit for him and hopefully that continues. You know I know all coaches are different or philosophy or style but when you have a young player it's his first year pro he's away from home for the first time do you have compassion or do you kind of this is your wake-up call fella this is the pros I mean you're on the fourth line or you've got nine minutes tonight just because that's all you deserve I mean how difficult is that for you because you know it is a development league yeah, well it is but and it it is a tough decision at times but our job is to develop these guys and one of the tools of developing that you have as a coach is their ice time you know and that's you know we were talking about that earlier that's the biggest uh hammer that you hold and uh you know but there is that onus of well, the players can't develop if they're not playing so you do have a little bit of empathy for these kids. Like, they're going through a lot of fur. So you put themselves in their shoes. I was in their shoes at, at right. one point. So you understand that they're going through, you know, a lot of first things or living on their own. They've got a lot of, you know, whatever, adult responsibilities that they probably didn't have before. Now uh, they may struggle. You know, they go through a little bit. of so Some of them didn't play 76 games like we play in the American League. Some of these college kids come in from playing 35 to 40 games a year and, they look tired, you know. They, it's it's a different uh, it's a different dog in the American Hockey League. So some kids do struggle. You have to kind of understand that it's, there are a lot of other factors that, that go into their performance on the ice. It's what they're doing away from the rink, what they do with their sleep, their nutrition, a lot of uh, different factors that go into their performance. So we have to be aware of, of a lot of things, not just at the rink. Uh, I, I want to get to a couple of players, and then I want to ask you about the Griffin season. Thanks. Uh, our guest is Ben Simon, head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffin and the uh, champion coach of the uh, Red Wing Prospect team as they uh, uh, captured the title this year. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I would imagine, before I get into a couple of the players, this Prospects tournament has, seems to have grown each and every year, and there were really some high-end and a lot of good quality teams there. Uh, I can remember coming to Prospect tournament, and the teams were okay, but uh, – I guess that must just show the evolution of where the young players are at these days. They all seem to have trainers. They all, it's 24-7, 365. And the, the quality of hockey, I was really, really impressed with, especially this year. Yeah, well, again, you want to see your prospects, and you're not necessarily comparing them to other teams' prospects, but you're comparing them to – it's a good litmus test there of, of where they kind of stand in the overall picture. But – for, from my point of view, it's I want to see what our prospects are about, you know, not necessarily other teams, but, uh, you know, I, based on that relativity, relativity, you're looking at our prospects and then you do maybe look at a, a Dallas or whatever. And we've got a lot of good pieces in our coverage here, which is, which is great to see. And, you know, if they do, these kids end up coming into Grand Rapids in the next 
few years, that's going to be great for this organization. When you look at uh, Joe Valeno, somebody that, you know, obviously, you know, I think he was disappointed he was sent back to junior last year, but he dominated the Q League, 104 points. Uh, seemed to be the one player that when you needed a guy to step up during this tournament, he certainly did step up. A lot of other guys did too. I don't want to leave anybody out. You always hate to mention single out one guy. And I know we've talked about Mo Sider already, but where do you think Joe's game's at? Because obviously, if he's not in Detroit, he, he is certainly playing for you. Yeah, which would be great, you know, and I hope that uh, he puts his best foot forward in, uh, in Detroit and let's see what happens. But, you know, should he be in Grand Rapids? Uh, Again, he's, he's a younger guy that's going to have to figure a lot of stuff out away from the rink. He's going to be on his own for the first time. It's not junior hockey. He's playing against men now that are doing this for a career, and now he's got to, you know, he's got to settle in and, and become a professional. So, uh, throughout the course of my career, you know, I've dealt with guys like that that have struggled. I've dealt with guys down in the American League that figured out really quickly and they were gone back to the NHL rather rapidly. So. Uh, you know, it's in, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, his progression is. But based on what I've seen from from him, and you know, from player development guys, and seeing him in development camp, and from the draft to to where he is now, he's matured quite a bit. And not just uh, how he conducts himself, but just his game in and of itself. I think that he's become way more of a 200 foot player. I think he's responsible with the puck for the most part. And again, we used him on the power play in the first game here, and. Then all of a sudden we integrated him into the PK, and you can tell he's a smart, intelligent hockey player. So it's uh, you know he's got a lot of upside. Yeah, he seems very coachable. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he really seems whatever you tell him, he is definitely yeah, going to well, work he's on. Very receptive. He's very, like you said, very coachable. He uh, he definitely cares, and he wants to get better. So that's you know that's probably you know we talked uh, throughout the week, you know, just his work ethic and his willingness to to put the time in that he did this summer, and just throughout the week, I thought. Uh, I thought was excellent. Another forward who, uh, I guess quietly, because he didn't score a goal, had five points for the uh, prospect team, and that is Philip Zadina. I know you had him last year. Mm -hmm. uh, really high expectations. Uh, you could tell even in this tournament, even though it was a little bit off, I mean, he has a full arsenal of shots. Uh, where do you think Philip is right now? And maybe his confidence level, because he – he, he, he gets it. I know he understands it, but he still seems to really become his own worst critic and get down on himself at times. Yeah. Well, sometimes that can be such a, a, a great quality is the being hard on yourself and having high expectations. And no question, Z has you know, high expectations for himself and where he wants to go, which is great. But I think at times he's got to realize it may not happen overnight. You don't need to score every game, and you don't need to be on the score sheet every game. He can have an impact on the game without having a point, without scoring a goal. There are other ways to contribute to the success of the team and his and his game in itself without having to put the puck in the net. So, and that that's just a maturity thing. And I think that that uh, you can see from where he started last year to where he is now. Uh, I think he's made tremendous strides. So, uh, again, he's another kid that come, he cares. He, he likes to watch uh, video. He wants to learn. Uh, again, he just gets frustrated a little bit. But, again, I think that's, like you mentioned, because he is such uh, a big critic of himself and he's got high expectations. When you look, when you have a player such as him, and, and is that the definitely, because you've told me this all week, because I'm always throwing guys at you, oh, what about him? When is he going to be a Red Wing band? And it's like, 
just be quiet, all right? <laughs> uh, but, but, but you've always said, I don't look at the score sheet per se. Mm-hmm. Is that the toughest teaching slash coaching point that you have is to try to convince them that it's hockey is so much more than whether you make the score sheet or not? Well, there's so many different areas of the game. Uh, how You're not going to score. If, if you're scoring every game in the National Hockey League, uh, that's great. But right. the odds of that happening, how many 82-goal scorers were in the league last year? How many 76-goal scorers were in the American League last year? You know, It just doesn't happen. And if you're doing that in the American League, you're probably not going to be the American League. But, <laughs> right, but, exactly. Uh, no, I mean, there are just other ways that, uh, and again, if you're not scoring, you know, it's not going in for you, find a way to contribute. And whether that's blocking a big shot or taking a hit to make a play, whether that's uh, helping kill a penalty off, whether that's just you're not scoring a goal, but you're doing a lot of the little things to create momentum so the team's having success. You know, there's a lot it's a lot more uh, more than just scoring goals in a hockey game. And I think that for any young kid that, that is expected to be a goal scorer and that's had success scoring goals at lower levels, it's you know, it's tough to to accept at times. Uh, I want to, you know, quickly jump to a couple of other players. Uh, Gustav Lindstrom, high draft pick in 2017, uh, 38th. Kind of surprised a lot of people to draft in Dallas when Detroit took him that high. Uh, He's playing in North America. Chances are he is going to be playing for you. Um, Still kind of getting acclimated to the small sheet, although he has played on it a few times in international competition. I know the summer showcase a couple of years ago in Plymouth. how do you think he performed? I thought he settled in nicely. Uh, I, I don't think the, his game showed in the, in the first game. Uh, I think as the week went on, he, he progressed nicely. We used him on the power play a little bit, and he was used on the power play uh, in, for Sweden there, but uh, in international play. So we gave him a chance there, and I thought he did all right on the power play. And uh, he, he's, got a, he's got a unique skill set because he, he's, he's got – foresee him being a solid two-way player and he's probably going to have to to learn to keep things simple every now and again not trying to do too much offensively and not trying to to jump outside the dots defensively too much I, I want to, uh, and I want the fans to know, everyone who's listening to podcasts right now, that I'm going to bring up some players who weren't specifically on the prospects team this time around, but guys that you have coached, one of them being Dennis Chalowski, uh really started off like gangbusters, a minus 20 kind of did him in at the uh, NHL level, came back and seemed to settle down. What's your assessment of Dennis? Well, again, Dennis uh, came down to us at the end of the year, and, and that's a tough, uh, tough pill to swallow sometimes. Hey, I, I played, he might have played 50 games at that right, point. Right, I think he did, yeah. And then came down to us. So that, and I meant mentally, that's a little bit of a struggle there that you're going to face. Uh, but the message was pretty simple and defend. You know, we have to make sure we're being a little bit more assertive with our play, with our defensive play, and make sure that we're not digging pucks out of our net. So uh, as the year went on in Grand Rapids, he, he started to figure out a little bit. And I think that uh, the, this, the quicker he figures it out, it's just to, defend a little bit harder he's going to be he'll be out of this league and he'll be back in the national league you know you're a bit of an intellectual ben and i and i and i truly mean that and i know dennis is a real brainy kid do you think sometimes that i don't know if it's overthinking it or because you can think it and you're rational that you don't have maybe the sense of urgency that you need hopefully that question makes sense 
Oh, there's a lot in that one, Art. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, Dennis is a smart kid, for sure. He's a smart kid, no question. He, uh, he's cerebral, cerebral uh, with the way he approaches the game. But, again, sometimes that can backfire because you overthink. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, he he's too smart not to have success. So he'll figure it out. I got no question that he'll, he'll figure it out. Another guy that, you know, kind of the mystery man, and, you know, if he doesn't make the wings and, you know, he definitely will be uh, ticketed for Grand Rapids. He has played on the western side of the state for Western Michigan for a year, came back, stayed for a game, and then went back to uh, uh, Finland was uh, uh, Oliver uh, 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 Kasky, I mean, do you know much about him? Have you seen much about him? I know he was not. I and I guess because of his age, maybe that's why he wasn't in the prospect tournament. I think people were looking forward to seeing him in that. But do you have any kind of book on him? A little bit. I mean, I what I have is you know we watched some of the World Championship games there uh, where he played very well. Uh, again, we just talked to player development. We talked to coaches up top. Uh, new assistant coach Todd Krieger coached him at Western Michigan, so he knows him a little bit. So that's good uh, intel, I guess, on as to what to expect from him. And, uh, again, didn't get to see him at prospect camp, so as camp starts here, we'll have a little bit more of a pulse as to what he's what kind of player he is. When you look at uh, a couple, uh, Philip Hironic, who you had the up and down, when he came back the second time in Detroit, he pretty much stuck. Mm-hmm. Chances are he's going to make the Red Wings this year, but uh, – he seems to be a player who made the most of his opportunity in Grand Rapids and didn't sulk. No, he came down. Uh, came in, you know, that was one of the things that Phil needed to, to work on was the maturity to his game, the defensive side of the game. He, he's got a tremendous offensive uh, mindset, but uh, he came down, he put in the time, Learn to defend. We used him in the penalty kill. Uh, he plays with a little bit of bark to his game. He plays with passion. And you know, Phil's uh, biggest attribute is his compete level, and he's just got to make sure that he's channeling his energies in the right direction. Like we've talked a lot, uh, these younger kids do, but I think that he's matured uh, tremendously over the last year, year and a half, and you're seeing it, and you saw the results in Detroit at the end of the year. When you – a guy that I think we all love, and if it, if it were based on heart and desire and leadership ca- capabilities, I think I told you last time you were on the podcast when we did this in Grand Rapids, we're obviously in Traverse City today, uh, he could run for mayor of Grand Rapids. I think he's that popular. Joe Hicketts, who was signed for a couple of years. Yeah, JoJo, he's just a heart and soul kid. You want him to succeed. You want him to have success. Uh, He's just a tremendous human being. He competes every game. You know what you're going to get out of him. You ask him to run through a wall, he'll go through a wall. You want to block a shot with your face, Joe, he's going to block a shot with his face. Uh, and, again, he's a solid two-way player. He is in, his personality is infectious. Uh, he's going to be a big part of, uh, of our team if he's on in Grand Rapids for well, sure. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, he has to clear waivers if I understand. Mm-hmm. And I remember the Grand Rapids pre- press wrote a nice, real nice story about him just a couple of weeks ago possibly where he doesn't want this to happen, but he also wants to play in the National Hockey League. And I think he's reaching a point now where he wants to be a Red Wing and he loves playing in GR. There's no question about it, but – he might have to move on maybe to get his shot. How difficult uh, would that be from your perspective if Joe is claimed, if he does not make the Red Wing? Yeah, well, that, obviously that would be a huge loss for, for Grand Rapids. But, again, that's time and place. So 
we have to be and our management team would be all over that it's time and place and uh, a lot of times at the beginning of the year a lot of teams are sending down a lot of defensemen but again I'm, I'm sure there are other teams you know we talk about how we, we love him so much and right. he's a great he's a big part of our team at Grand Rapids maybe there is another team that'll take a shot at him you never know if that happens obviously we'd be disappointed down in Grand Rapids but at the same time in the same breath that means he's getting an opportunity with another National Hockey League team and that that's great for him, so you got to be happy for him. Right, exactly. I mean, you know what's really interesting about that is, is that you hate to lose him, yeah. but then in the, in the, even in the same breath, you're happy because he is getting that shot. Yeah. And again, as a coach in the, in the minors, any time you lose a player that's potentially coming to you from the National Hockey League, whether it's at a training camp or throughout the regular season, if you lose him for nothing, it's, it is disappointing. But again, you He's gonna. He has to stay up in the National Hockey League for what, I think it's 30 days or 10 games, whatever it is, before they can get sent right back down. And uh, it's great for them to get an opportunity, and that's all you want. If if, if they're gonna get that opportunity, the hopefully they take that and have success with another team. A couple of college free agents the Red Wings signed last year, uh, and uh, uh, Tara Hirose and also Ryan Kuffner. Um, they could could make Detroit. They had that 10-game audition once they signed. Uh, a little bit curious, uh, you know, Taro's game, uh, he really seemed to acclimate himself well to the NHL game last year. But then again, it's the last 10 games of the season. It's a little different season when your team's out of it and you know, everyone's kind of playing a little bit more of a freewheeling style, uh, not very much pressure on them. What did you think of Taro so far? Uh, well, again, he's a crafty player. He's a smart player. Not the biggest guy, so he's had to kind of figure out be a little bit smarter than than the average player out there. And I thought that you saw that with a lot of his offense, uh, especially on the power play. He makes plays. He's not afraid to to hold on to the puck, and he's confident with what he sees with his vision. Um, you know, he had a successful college career, so hopefully he's going to take that. In the ten games he had success at the end, there, take that and run with it. And he had a good rookie camp. Uh, his, you know, he's a little bit older than these rookies, so you know the expectation was for him to be a little bit better than these kids. Uh, but again, hopefully he takes that confidence. He had a good uh, rookie tournament. Hopefully he takes that confidence going into to main camp, his first training camp. Uh, Ryan Kuffner, I know he struggled in his 10 games. Didn't quite get the ice time that Taro did and didn't play on special teams uh, in his 10-game audition. Didn't register a point. Development camp, he scored a couple of goals, and he's a goal scorer. I mean, he's Princeton's all-time leading goal scorer, second in total points uh, for the Princeton Tigers. Uh, he seemed to need confidence, and it seemed maybe development camp, he got that confidence. He scored a couple of goals because he was uh, a fair – I thought he was pretty impressive. I didn't know what to expect from him during the prospect tournament. Well, I think quietly, I think he tied with Valino for points on I, our I team. Think right? Right. I think you're right. I think you're right, So I think quietly went about, and I think you know, whatever was four goal, three or four goals and three or four assists. So, uh, And one of the goals he scored on the power play was from a ridiculous angle, but – uh, he, he really quietly got better every game, and he contributed. You know, you look back, and, okay, who was that? You're watching the oh, that's Kupner. He did a lot of good things, but just kind of quietly. And uh, he's got a good, uh, good work ethic. He has some good habits. Uh, and it was tough for him because we put him on the right wing, and he's a left shot. He, did, he didn't play uh, – I don't know how much he's played his offside, but I thought for a quick – 
audition playing his offside. He did he did a pretty good job. When uh, you know a player that you had only for three games and he couldn't go down to the AHL, and I think the Red Wings were you know should we send him back to junior where he was a dominant player for Tri City uh, Americans the year before? Big kid, hand eye coordination for a man his size is unbelievable, and that is Michael Rasmussen. Uh, he seemed to do pretty well in his limited time with Grand Rapids. Uh, he, depending on how it shakes out, he could or could not play in Grand Rapids this year. He could be a Detroit Red Wing. Can you assess maybe Michael's game? Well, we didn't see him very much. I, we watched the games in Detroit when he was out there. But what did he play, three games for us maybe for yeah, his three conditioning? Games, but he, but he, I think he had a – I think he had a point in every game, and yep. I know he had a couple of goals. So he came down the three games he played, and he's a mature kid. We talk about some of his young kids and needing to mature and needing to kind of figure out. And you can tell with Rass right away that he's a mature kid. He takes the game uh, extremely serious. Uh, you know, we we talk to him. Hey, it's okay. You can smile down here. It's uh, let's have some fun while you're here. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, I, I think he's got a very mature approach. He takes his career very seriously, and I think that uh, that's why you saw him. You know, make the team. They, they, he made a tough decision for Detroit. Like you said, do we keep him? Do we send him back? Does it make sense to go and dominate against junior kids, or do we need to keep him here to, to play against men in Detroit? So he did a, you know, all things considered, I think did a pretty good job as a young, young kid playing in the National Hockey League. When I wanted to ask you uh, about, um, we gave him the nickname Peach, and I promised him that we'd never call him that, but. Uh, uh, Chase Pearson, who grew up in grew up in Georgia, Georgia Peach, although yeah. yeah, well, yeah, the Georgia Peach, Ty mm-hmm. Cobb, greatest Tiger of them all, the Georgia <laughs> Peach. Uh, I know his family doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. Unfortunately, <laughs> once we made it, once it got out there, everyone now is calling him Peach, and I I, I apologize about that. But uh, uh, he's a big kid. He seems to have talent. He was captain two years as a sophomore and junior for the Maine Black Bears. Uh, and he seemed, as the tournament wore on, got better and better. And I know that he signed a two-year entry-level deal that doesn't kick in till this season. But when he signed, he was able to uh, to go to Grand Rapids. Yeah, he came and played a handful of games for us at the end of the year, and uh, he was he's got a very mature game. Uh, obviously, being a two-time captain, uh, great leadership qualities, and I think that's not just off the ice. I think that's. Uh, those leadership qualities are in the way he plays the game. He's very responsible with the puck, without the puck. Does a lot of those little things that maybe you don't see. Uh, it's not as flashy as some of these other prospects. They're not as, uh, you know, it doesn't get noticed as much. But uh, just very responsible. Uh, he's going to be a solid two-way player if he's in Grand Rapids. And, again, another guy He's not as young, but he's still going to go through his struggles for sure. And, uh, but again, I think he's mature enough to, to come in and contribute and help us. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, I don't know what the percentage is, but there used to be a low percentage of collegians playing in the National Hockey League. I think now it's in 40% or something of the guys that are playing. Uh, can you talk about the evolution of the college game? Um, these kids that come out of college, they're a little bit uh, different in the fact that They've got full-time strength coaches. They don't play as many games. So, you know, the junior kids, they play, I think, 70, close to 60, 70 games. The college kids, you're playing pretty much Friday, Saturday. You've got all week where you're working out with the strength and conditioning coach, all the resources that these college teams have now. Uh, the kids are getting a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more mature. And some of these kids that uh, 
that are staying three, four years, they have three or four years of that exposure, they're going to be a little bit more mature, a little bit stronger. Now, does that always translate on the ice? No, but there's a lot of positive attributes that you're seeing with a lot of these college kids coming into the league. Well, I know, I know you played college hockey, and I'm not trying to make a comparison because, you know, to each his own. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to play junior hockey – Please play junior hockey. It's yep. a, it's great. I mean, you know, a lot you know, more pros come out of junior hockey than anywhere else. I understand that, but is there something for going to class, maybe in development or as a maturity level, where they have to play hockey, but they also have to take a side and be academics as well? I mean, is that kind of uh, uh, maybe a good thing for their development? Yeah. Well. There's no wrong or right answer, right. but you, there is a little bit more responsibility on the in the classroom side of things, and you've got to kind of balance your schedule. You got to figure it out. And again, I I, I experienced college, so I'm, I can't speak to the to the junior. Were you a good student? Track. Uh, I was a good student. I, I figured it out. Not initially, <laughs> but I figured it out. So if any of my coaches in college are listening, uh, <laughs> I won't lie. But uh, no, I figure. Yeah, you figure it out. And but that's that's a one of the reasons why some of these college kids come in and they're a little bit more mature in that regard. Now we've had junior kids come in and they're tremendously mature in how they handle themselves in the game. So it's not just because you're a college kid or a junior kid, but I think uh, they're, they're each has their positives and, and their perceived negatives as well. Well, when you look at the Red Wing roster, obviously it looks like the forward core on the big club and prospect wise, there seems to be a nice little pipeline the blue line, and I think Steve Eiserman would be the first to admit it, probably needs a little bit more development. That's why I don't think it was a shock that Mo Sider was picked sixth overall. I mean, you have to look at it just because Father Time is catching up with the Red Wing blue line, especially now that Nick Cromwell has, uh, ha- has retired. But another area that we have to look at, because you know Jimmy's getting older and Bernier's signed for another two years, is goaltending. I think there was some disappointment because he's been nursing this groin injury for the last couple of years, though every time he's in the net, I'm speaking of Philip Larson, he is going to be with Calvin Pickard, uh, your goalies this year. Uh, I don't know, have you seen much of him? I, I, because I would imagine, and nothing against Calvin here, that if everybody had their druthers, they'd like to see Larson take that net over in Grand Rapids. Well, again, that's he, he's fought through some injuries. He was hurt at Denver a little bit and then came back slowly from that, but had a good year at Denver. Uh, left and came to obviously sign with us at the end of the year. We saw him for a little bit towards the end of the year, and then uh, with uh, him getting hurt this summer, we haven't really had a chance to see him. So, again, that's one of those things that, uh, you know, we're going to have to work with him is, is fighting through these injuries and you can't play if you're hurt. So you've got to find a way to make sure we're taking care of ourselves away from the rink. And not, not that he isn't sometimes just dumb luck with these injuries, but uh, you know, fighting through to, to, to compete. Brian Mahoney Wilson, no stranger to this podcast either goaltending coach uh, in Grand Rapids. Uh, what kind of coach are you with a goalie? Do you try to talk to him? I mean, some coaches like hands off. Those guys are crazy. I don't want anything to do with them. Or will you try to warm up to them and get a sense of what kind of uh, uh, player they are? Well, I think you get to know these, whether it's a goalie or a defenseman or forward, you have to get to know the, the kid's personality. And, you know, sometimes with that, you know whether to how to talk to them, how to approach them, what they respond to the best. But, again, we've got a great staff with regard to goaltending. So from, from top down to from Beamer to Sal, 
uh, Phil Asar now right, right, involved right. now. So uh, I, I trust Brian's work ethic. I trust Brian's commitment to these guys. And, you know, those guys got to buy into what Beamer's preaching. But, you know, it, it's a little bit different position for sure. But at the end of the day, they're still hockey players too. They got to be a hockey player, not just a goalie. I want to move real quickly and talk about the Grand Rapids Griffins. This is going to be a little bit more different year for you, uh, talking to Griffin fans, because I'm in Grand Rapids as much as I can be during the hockey season. Uh, I love going there. I love watching the Griffins play. This can be a little bit younger team, full of more high-end Detroit prospects. Uh, and fans have told me, we may not win as much, but we're more eager to see this team because – we know eventually many of them will be ticketed to the NHL, if not Detroit. How does your job change this year, or does it change? Well, we, we're still going to have the, the requisite number of veteran players. You know, we're still going to have our five vets, uh, and those guys are going to be relied on to help these young kids guys learn. Guys like Matthew Ford. Yep. You know, so we're going to have guys like that to help these kids learn and get acclimated to pro hockey. Um, but, again, that, that – youthful enthusiasm I think is going to be fantastic so it's going to keep us coaches on, on our toes uh, and, and young kids want to learn they want to get better and I think these kids uh, and I was part of my first two years pro we had I think in Orlando we had 10 rookies on our first team we won second year in Chicago we had the same group of guys you know maybe it was eight or nine first or second year guys and we we won so I think that some of these times you know the kids have to learn how to win and winning's a skill but I think that that youthful enthusiasm, the 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 drive to you know the healthy competition within within the group with these young kids for ice time is going to drive that drive the culture and drive uh, drive hopefully more of a winning mentality. And you know, we, winning and developing the American League is, is a fine line. It's a fine balance, but I think you develop a heck of a lot quicker in a winning environment. You know, the Griffins traditionally, and I know we've joked about this and we've talked about it over the last couple of years, is that. They seem to notoriously start off slowly no matter what your roster is. Yeah. I mean, you could have a Hall of Fame roster, and it's still, it still just takes them a while. Uh, from that standpoint, when you have a younger team, and I know I asked you if your job changes, but do you look at it and say, I'm willing to live with the mistakes because the team that we that's on the ice in October is going to be much different than the team that comes playoff team because this is a high-end team even though they're young and they'll develop and get it quickly well you, you hope that natural progression right. happens but you know you hope to get off to a better start and the best start possible you know for your first game but you know, I, I hope we can break that streak break that cycle of slow starts in Grand Rapids and uh, but yeah you you are correct with you know some teams take a little bit more time to, to get together to gel to figure things out and hopefully we can figure it out sooner rather than later yeah I, I wanted to ask you this because and then and then and then we'll wrap it up here Ben because I know you know the weather's starting to clear up here in Traverse City you probably I've got an indoor tennis match with uh, uh, a couple do, coaches and Ryan Martin you, well you know you were asking about that outdoor pool I thought yeah. you were gonna you know kind of like sunbathe or no, something yeah. here in a minute yeah shirt's staying on today <laughs> <laughs> but um Toledo is an interesting team in the ECHL. I mean, they played for the championship. They came within a couple of games of winning it. Dan Watson signed for another three years. It's his uh, – but you take players and they go down there. But what I like about the Red Wings system is, is some guys would look at the ECHL as, okay, I might as well be in Siberia or something playing. You know, it's, it's the end of the line for mm -hmm. me. Yet that isn't the case down there. 
Um, when you send a player down there, do you, is it very important for you to tell them first why you're going down there, but they can only have 10 forwards. I mean, they're going to play in every situation. Can you talk about that relationship? Because your relationship with Toledo is almost, and it's different, I understand, but kind of like the way Detroit looks at Grand Rapids, is that kind of the way, and I think you can only have seven players at any given time under you know Detroit property or Griffin's property down with the walleye, but how does that work out? Uh, well, I think we could send as many players down as we want. Okay. There's, there's no limit there, but uh, I think in Detroit, Grand Rapids, we've done, I think, historically a pretty good job of explaining why these kids are going down there and, and use really using the, the ECHL as more of a development league instead of a punishment league. So, right, right. And that's important, I, th I think, in A, explaining it to the player and B, the player really being accountable and going down there and, and playing well and then getting the opportunities down there. It doesn't make sense for, for kids to sit here in Grand Rapids for long periods of time and not playing where there could be in Toledo playing big key minutes and logging a lot of ice time and, and – getting a little bit more development in games rather than practices. So uh, we've used uh, Toledo as a great uh, place to go down, play, play meaningful minutes in meaningful situations. It's a great rink there. It's a right. great city. They've done a great job from the business side. Uh, coaching staff down there has done a great job uh, of when their players go down there, you know, staying on top of things and continuing their development process down there so that if and when they do come back, we can plug them right back in. Well, right. They're having an outdoor game again this year. They hosted the All-Star game. They were in the, the championship for their league. Uh, we, the thing that, that, that I really, if you look at the environment in Detroit, the environment in Grand Rapids, and the environment in Toledo, for a professional hockey player, and I'm, you know, granted, you have to say, well, you've been a Red Wing slappy your whole life, but... Uh, <laughs> It's a great place for a player to play and develop regardless of which city he's in. Yeah, well, again, it's the proximity. So even if you go from Detroit to Grand Rapids, it's a two-hour drive. You go from Grand Rapids to Toledo, it's not that far. So you're right. going to – well, in Toledo to Detroit it is less than an hour. So you're going to get seen. Like our management team is on top of you. Our player development guys are on top of you. We're, we're making sure that you're doing the right things. You're going to get better. And that's – the commitment and I think the the geographical geographical proximity allows us to do that as an organization but as a player it's great because you're not stretched out then some NHL team like Toronto for example they've got both the big club and the baby club in Toronto right right but then if you go down to Toledo you're going to Newfoundland so that's a you know you can't just jump in the car and go to Newfoundland and you're <laughs> taking a flight out to the rock there and right. it's a long ways to go and so we have that luxury of being close to each other and having that uh that, that ease to do that. But again, not only that, we've got a great relationship from, from staff to staff to staff, and I think that makes it uh, even easier. When you look at this uh, year, I mean, I, I always joke around, it seems like your training camp is like two days, and then you get your roster kind of late because a lot of guys are playing games up in, uh, up in Detroit. Uh, do you have a goal in your mind besides playoffs and winning the championship? I know first and foremost – uh, when do you start to really get an idea of what kind of team you're going to have? Does that happen when all the cuts and the dust is settled and they, they're in Grand Rapids, or do you have a pretty good indication and idea of how the season is going to play out and where, do you, and where you want this team to be? Well, you always have a mind as to how you want to play, and 
your identity as a team and the habits that you want to play with and the the culture you want in your locker room, the culture uh, on the ice. But again, that that could take time because of the players, the group you have to to buy in and to kind of you know acclimate to what you're trying to teach. Or you know you've got this great mindset, you got this great plan of what team you're going to be, and all of a sudden you don't. You might not have the pieces to to have that. So you may have to change your identity and kind of morph a little bit as the year goes on and you know you have to be able to adapt and those adaptations happen when your team changes a little bit so you have to be ready and and be on your toes but uh you know with with nine exhibition games this year we're gonna you know in the number of injuries last year that we had coming out of camp i think that uh that's there's a little bit sensitivity towards that so we we're gonna have a lot of guys sent down to us you know the last possible second. Now, I know you had to go down to Grand Rapids. They're doing a renovation of Van Andel Arena. You wanted to get your hand in on that and see where it was coming along. Uh, but you are a championship coach. Uh, did you take the uh, – is it the West Memorial Cup uh, that you guys won? Were you able to take I it know, I haven't there? seen it. I, I think the guys who, – who grabbed it? Uh, Hiroshi? <laughs> I think he still has it. So really? it's missing. Yeah, it's missing in action. Uh, so, so you're gonna try to get a day with it yeah. at all? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll set her back, uh, back in the lobby there, and hopefully uh, come back next year and and retain it. Well, man, the pressure's on now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to lose that thing up. They've only won it twice in 20-some-odd years. So, uh, Ben Simon, you're, you're always a good sport. I always enjoy talking to you. I, I, I really enjoy it. You take the time to, you know, explain things. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, guys like me, I'm sure, especially me, fire some really <laughs> oddball questions at you. But as I said, you're always more than willing to take your time and explain it. I really appreciate you being on the, the Red and White Authority. Thank you. Best of luck to the Griffins, and uh, I really do appreciate your time. Thanks, I man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Art.